Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Sean here. Uh, as you know, this week is our off week for the show, uh, which means we will play a little uh, episode of All Documented, All True. The thing is, this episode was massive. It's a two-hour and 15-minute episode. Uh, so we are not going to put up the whole thing this week. Uh, we're giving you the first hour and 20 minutes, which is insane to say, the first hour and 20 minutes. Um, but it is a fun episode. It is on the Montauk Project. Um, the second half you can find over at patreon.com, or maybe we'll maybe we'll drop it after the next live show on the main feed, too. Um, but yeah, here it is, the Montauk Project. This week, uh, boy, I'm so excited for Patreon. I'm going to drop it later this week. Uh, we did the Mothman. The Mothman. Uh, what a what a what a great uh, what a great topic. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. So really enjoyed that. But uh, this Montauk one is fucking weird. It's insane. Uh, so enjoy this. And again, it will cut off like a little bit early, like kind of in the middle of the story, but. Uh, we, I'm not putting a two hour and 20 minute episode up. So anyway, guys, thank you and enjoy the first half of the Montauk Project. Welcome to another edition of All Documented, All True. I'm Sean, and I want you to join me as my two friends, Joe and Mike, research and teach us about unexplainable events, conspiracies, and just plain weird tales that have been documented since time began. So put on your tinfoil hats, take a big old hit of that chemtrail, Put out the garlic for Bigfoot. Boot up that large hadron collider you have in the basement. And most importantly, enjoy. I'll pass the show over to hosts, or over to our two hosts and experts, Joe and Mike, as they open up dossier number six on. I think this dossier, based on the size of it, is the theory that dinosaurs. They lasted, they were on this planet longer than humans. They were actually hyper intelligent. They fled on spaceships. Uh, they did not die here. They fled on spaceships because it got too cold. And uh, throughout history, you see dinosaurs in people's mythology. I think they come and visit every once in a while, and then they'll eventually come home to roost very soon. Well, no, they're yeah. still here. They're, they're still, still, they're they're still in the here Congo. on the Congo. Yeah. Oh, God, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, wait, it's the uh, I'm gonna get this so wrong. It's like the Mula Kameme or the, something. The, yeah, yeah, the exactly. long neck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The brontosaurus. The, There's the so only place that actually thriving. it's so dense. It's the only place that survived the uh, the whatever the fuck it's called the, uh, the asteroids or yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. ice age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the ice age. I don't no, know. That's all fact. That's all fact. Dinosaurs well, are still just fucking <laughs> well shit all over that. One, that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, it's so funny because most people would be like, no, of course that's not real. But you guys are like, that's not real because dinosaurs <laughs> still exist and are on this planet. <laughs> uh, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> what? And the fact that you and Mike basically said it together is not <laughs> <laughs> like waiting for me, waiting to stop me. Um, They're around. What? What, what, are we t- what are we talking about today? Is it the oh, dinosaurs? Man. 
I'm going to let Mike uh, say, but before, but before you do, I just want to say, well, kudos to Mike. Cause he has Mike, Mike has lost his mind uh, compiling <laughs> notes on this one. And, and I mean, we both have been sitting through tons and tons of interviews it's and documentaries intense. and, and uh, narrations. Uh, I don't know why we're doing this <laughs> to ourselves, but this one is a doozy. This one is fun. I'm going to let Mike, you know, because he put he put so much time into um, putting the notes together. I'm gonna let him kind of lead this episode, but I do want to say this one. I know, I know, our Enfield one. So a lot of people were like, "That's not true." This one has things that are very true, in my opinion, and also things that you'd have to be a brain dead piece of shit to believe. Um, again, just my opinion, but it's very fantastical. It's the there are things that occur through this that are undoubtedly in truth. Um, and the rest is a fun ride. So I'm so excited to, to kick this one off. Like there are some things in this that make Joe Simonton seem like the most intelligent man and most brilliant storyteller on the face of this fucking earth. Joe Simonton is a thousand times more intelligent than any of the people that are giving testimonies. <laughs> well, that sounds promising. Uh, I'm glad we're going to dis- dissect this for four hours. Hey, uh, I-, I also just want to piggyback on what you were saying about um, people saying the Enfield ghost thing is like, you have to be stupid to believe that. I think we, we talked about it a little bit on that episode. I think the ghost thing, it can be hit or miss. I think it could be like, if you, if you don't believe in ghosts, like I don't think you're, you're ever going to be like, well, this little, well, it was more believable than the Connecticut one. Well, I don't know. Did you see Paul's blurry fucking photo that he sent to everyone that showed yeah, fucking nothing? Yeah. <laughs> fucking the blurriest photo I've ever seen. And he fucking like, Whoa, I don't even know what he was trying to get at. Lights are on. Lights are on. Which, he the clearly took that picture nothing. while driving like 70 miles an hour past <laughs> that house without even trying to take like a good photo. Just stuck his camera out the window and just snapped it fuck that's funny as fuck um no okay. respect for photography <laughs> so what, what are we talking about mike tell us the topic. all right so in 1992 a book called the montec project experiments in time was released by preston b nichols he also kind of looks like don vito from viva la bam well, that's it's also Absolutely. co-authored by peter moon and it is detailing a secret government project involving mind control experiments and time travel that went on in an underground facility located in Montauk, New York, which later was a national park and renamed Camp Hero. Yes. It may sound familiar because Stranger Things was actually based off the Montauk Project and originally original called Montauk. Title. Yep. His original title was Montauk. And uh, true. Th- that is true. Uh, this, the, the Stranger Things aspect, and again, this is my opinion. Uh, the Stranger Things aspect that they're showing us, I, I think, are the parts of the story that are most based in truth. Thing, things that will say that I'll be like, yeah, that definitely happened here. Um, but <laughs> as we said, it gets wild. <laughs> it gets wild. <laughs> Go on, Mike. All right. So um, it was also co-authored by Peter Moon, whose real name is Vince Barbaric. He is also a ex-Scientologist who served in the Sea Org for 11 years and personally worked with L. Ron Hubbard. 
So if that says anything, then he's most likely completely full of shit and out of his mind. What was that guy's name? It was uh, Peter, Peter Moon. Moon. Okay. Or Vince Barbaric, I believe. Okay. I did voice to text, so it's very possible that uh, that came out totally misspelled. <laughs> All right, uh, so continue. It, he 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 met Preston Nichols in 1990, um, and <laughs> Mike Mike included this part. I'm going to say it right now, but but we'll explain it in more detail. That might that might make sense to the listeners. But he met Preston in 1990 after Preston unlocked all of his memories. So uh, <laughs> I also I also want to note that Mike Mike mentioned that Preston looks like Don Vito. Preston was also living in a shack with no electricity and no running water in the mountains of New York. I like the times that he was being contacted for all of these interviews, which, which strangely <laughs> enough, I think, I think might give more <laughs> credence to, to his story because the guy fucking lost his mind. Um, these, these characters are, are like the most outrageous. Well, the, real just mentioned that like, uh, we don't have to mention it later on because we need to get it out of the way, but to give you a better idea of the type of person Preston is at the time, an interviewer went to like do an interview with him, And he said, he walked into the house. He lived with his father. He, uh, Preston was about like 60 years old at the time, had no less than 500 cans of spam, some half eaten, some not eaten with like dirty spoons in them. <laughs> He had a massive shrine to Yul Brenner, and food dried to his shirt. And throughout the entire interview, Fres- uh, Preston farted so much to a point <laughs> that the interviewer thought that he had shit his pants. <laughs> Bro, what? <laughs> and you're talking about yeah, Yul uh, Brenner, the actor? Yeah, <laughs> he had, yeah, he was in a fuck. What was he in? It's like some famous West movie. World. He was in Westworld. And oh, Yul Brenner, definitely... he's in the ki- he's oh, in the King, King and I. King and I. I. Yeah, I think he was dead before Westworld came out. No, he was in Westworld. The original. Wait, he's still alive. The original. Oh, no, no, okay. The original. The original. Yeah. Um, um, wait, Preston, wait, Preston wait. also so, claims. Wait, I just need to know. I need to clear this up real quick. What he had Yul Brenner pictures on the wall? No, he. It, from what I read and heard in an interview, he had a massive shrine. So when I picture that, I picture just Yule Brenner right. photos all over his wall with like an altar and candles. I don't That's know what else. That's insane. Either, but... It's actually fucking insane. That's like one of the most insane things I've ever it's heard. Incredibly <laughs> insane. <laughs> Preston also is on record claiming that the character of Doc Brown in Back to the Future is based off him. <laughs> okay, cool. He also <laughs> helped create Star Wars, but didn't want any of the fanfare even though he claimed to also be uh, best friends with Mark Hamill. Oh, and he also had an illustrious uh, music career where he worked with Mick Jagger, Chubby Checker, Phil Spector, and the Moody Blues, even though he can't provide exactly what he did in the music industry, and there is zero record of any of that being true, <laughs> except yeah. for what he said. So, so this gives you uh, – hey, listen, on this show, we want, we, we want to prevent – or present both sides, right? Yeah. Uh, Preston is not reliable. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. But there might be a reason why he's not reliable. We'll get into that. Um, with all this being said, everything we just listed is 100% more credible and believable than anything he says after this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So 
we're going to get more into Preston Nichols after this, but there was a, uh, so, so we're talking about Montauk in New York. There was a Montauk Air Force Base close by, which is now shut down and is closed off to the public, but it still has active security detail around the entire site, which to anybody that's familiar with like cases like this, that's kind People of a red flag. Tried to go in and like black SUVs will show up sometimes like black, like ops, like helicopters and like unmarked, but it's apparently a defunct base, but yet they still have this high level of security yes. and you'll get chased uh, off the premises if you show up there. And you know, there are defunct bases where you could just walk in and be like, Oh yeah, this used to be a base. So there's something that they're using taxpayers dollars to, you know, employ security to prevent people from going in there. Yeah. Okay. So the area camp hero was located on what was said to initially be inhabited by an Algonquin tribe who was in charge of guarding a location called turtle cove, which was allegedly a vortex of interdimensional energy. Okay, this 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 might like jump around it's a kind lot. Of like a lost right there. Yes, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> Mike, yeah, I don't think you mentioned this part, but um, Mike Mike wrote this note here that Preston claims he has an IQ of two hundred plus. Um, but a lot of a lot of information that we get on Montauk is from Preston, and we'll tell you why. But yeah, Mike, you want to give us a quick background on something that. Might deserve its own episode, maybe a shorter episode, but something called the Philadelphia Experiment. All right. So in are you familiar with that at all, Sean? No, I'm excited. All right. So the Philadelphia Experiment uh, allegedly took place October 28th, 1943. That's where the U.S. Navy did an experiment at the U.S. Navy's Philadelphia Naval Shipyard involving manipulating electromagnetics in an attempt to render the USS Eldridge, which is a battleship, invisible, which resulted in the ship teleporting from the harbor of Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia, was visible for a few minutes and then disappeared and then reappeared back in Philadelphia. This is something believed to be true by... It's alleged that Nikola Tesla started to work on the project, but then left and yeah. So so to recap, they were experimenting electromagnetics, a Full battleship went from Philadelphia to Virginia, reappeared back in Philadelphia with all the crew members still on board. There's a movie on it uh, called The Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think their initial um, attempt was to have it so radar detectors would be rendered invisible. That way, any incoming um, ships or if they went out, they couldn't detect them. But it went wrong and it teleported. And... When that happened, the ship's crew also had really bad side effects, including insanity, being frozen in place, and some lucky crew members ended up becoming fused to the ship. Yes. Do you think I'm just I'm just going to say something right now? Now you think your shit in your ass ends up like fused with like a toilet? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like and you you guys might you guys might disagree with this but I feel like there's less of this shit going on today than there was back in the day. Maybe yeah, there's well, a reason. I mean well no yeah. you hear back in like the between the 40s to like 70s and 80s you hear of all these crazy fucking like experiments going on and all these Maybe like, we alien stop. encounters and then no. you don't hear about shit these no. days. Well, well not to that extent. We did you know not what I mean, stop. though, is 
I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not saying stop, but I mean they're no, not Sean as like, fantastical as they <laughs> right, used to right. be. I have a theory on that. One, we'll get more into it, but it's because there was so much of that going on back then because in Operation Paperclip, we took all the Nazis, we brought them over, which is true. That's a fact. We brought them over. That they're so all hyped up true. being fucking Nazi dickheads. And they're like, we know you're experimenting in mind control. We know you're experimenting in the occult. Keep doing it here or we're going to send you to the fucking Nuremberg And trials. we'll give you a pass. So, yes. So they're doing all that at that time because they're still, they, were, they were very active in it during Nazi Germany. Brought them over. They're very active in doing all this shit. Mm. at that time and the reason that you don't hear about it now is because it all fucking worked and they already they, they don't need to do all these crazy crazy experiments because they already have the blueprint from operation paperclip they have the blueprint the technology advanced they know what they're doing they could do it they could do it easier more efficiently and more I, subtly i i believe some of what you're saying but i think it's the opposite i think they fused some people to a ship in the fucking chesapeake bay and then we're like we gotta fucking just stop doing this. Like, what are we doing? We gotta There's throw, no way. We gotta throw the no way. fucking baby out with the bathwater. This ship, there's a fucking man in it. Like, dude, dude, there's no fucking way that they stopped at that point. They were probably like, "This is fucking incredible that this is happening. These people are getting fused. How much deeper can we go?" And if there's any, we're gonna talk about. We're gonna mention them. The Tuskegee Airmen. We're fucking injecting these people with syphilis and seeing them lose their minds and destroy their families and lose all their credibility. And then, you know, sixty years later, being like, "Hey guys, uh, sorry about that. Here's Bill Clinton to give a public apology." <laughs> so I don't, I don't think they gave a shit. And we're gonna talk about other, uh, other instances where they were doing sketchy shit to people. Um, okay. I, okay. dude. Think about think about the state of the world that we live in. There's something going on that makes people want to shoot up a fucking mall, want to shoot up a school. There is shit that's happening. It's not just mental illness. There's been mental illness since the beginning of time. There's something happening that's triggering these people to be like, I have to go do this. Yeah, the other day I looked outside and some <laughs> asshole wrote, Jesus loves you in giant letters in the clouds with a little prop plane. Like, why would... Yeah, I mean, that's not as fantastical as the other things. It is considering mentioned. that we have high winds, so by the time you finish the first letter, it's like a mile away. <laughs> I agree. Um, all right. So, all right. Sorry for that interruption. Um, so, Philadelphia Experiment. Yes. Okay. Uh, kind of one of the more famous instances of teleportation and using electromagnetic fields to manipulate space and time. I think we also missed one section um, uh, with uh, describing the initial projects and how it became to become Montauk, like what it started out as. Go into it. All right. So um, uh, when the details of the book came out from uh, Preston's recovered memories, he said he was working as a researcher at Project Montauk, but sometimes it was also called Project Phoenix or Project Phoenix 2. Now, initially, Project Phoenix involved Dr. John Von Neumann, which was the guy behind the Manhattan Project, and it was in developing weather prediction technology. And Project Phoenix 2 was an extension of the Philadelphia Project, also known as Project Rainbow. Yes. Okay. So if those are mentioned later, that gives you some sort of like reference point. Okay. Yes. And, it, you know, that's a heavy hitter name, Dr. John Van Newman, like involved yeah, like in the incredibly highly Bond. regarded mathematician, like yeah. one of the best of his time. 
This is the stuff that makes these stories like have more, more make them more believable. I don't know how to make them more credible. We're about to make more credible. Like, there's a lot of every story you guys have had. You've had people that like they're they're are decorated people in their field. And that's the end here. And and I do think there. I'm going to say this repeatedly. I've already said it like twice. I do think there is very credible parts to this story. Uh, the, the rest I want to believe, but I just I can't. But, but I, I would like to. But I do think you know there are secret bases where you know high-ranking mathematicians and brilliant minds are getting together and trying shit. Uh, why wouldn't they be doing that? You know, why would we know about CERN? We know about the Large Hadron Collider. They're they're, they're making antimatter in a fucking lab. What are they doing? Ten thousand miles. Into the Earth's core. We don't know. That's just what they tell us. You know, what are they doing in Antarctica? Shit. Half of it's blocked off on Google yeah, Maps. Exactly. You can't even uh, exactly. see it. It's all obstructed. Yes. And I do just want to say to people who listen to both shows, uh, I, I, I intentionally suspend my, my disbelief for this show. And I want to believe. So if you don't, don't yeah. think I'm just a complete fucking Preston yeah. nut. You got to You, <laughs> I, I, you yeah, I mean, I have one believing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's fucking fun as fuck. Yeah, I mean, it's hard exactly. sometimes, but <laughs> uh, well, yeah. they don't make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'll do the Montauk boys, and then Mike, you want to do this uh, Stewart Swerblow? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. This fucking guy. All right, so <laughs> the Montauk boys, so the, we just gave a like I said, I think we should do a full episode, even if it's a short one, on the Philadelphia experiment itself. But that's just a brief background to give some kind of understanding of the stuff that the government was doing. So now we're going to go to the Montauk boys. While the Montauk project was running, it needed a constant supply of test subjects estimated anywhere between 3,000 and 10,000 kids uh, that, they, that they wanted to use. Now, this is where Stranger Things really captures oh, you know, the... Right. the the essence of the Montauk project. Yes, um, because reportedly the kids that they were using, and again, they have a base that's deep underground. Um, they're all runaways. They're they're runaways, uh, easy targets. Uh, and you know, this is all that disappear in national parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Missing exactly right. Four one one. Missing exactly, and um, also. I, I wanted to talk about this earlier. The base had like a normal base where we're there's you know every day-to-day workers that were that were always there and whenever they're asked about it they're like uh yeah we never saw anything strange but the theory is that's because they didn't know what was underneath them and there's never been quote-unquote proof that there's a secret underground base but there's like aerial photographs that show in an obnoxiously large bunker whenever anyone's asked about that they're just like there's nothing there and like uh, i said it's still guarded it's like Breaking Bad where they've got the laundromat and then you go through a little secret tunnel and you go down and they've got the massive meth lab underneath. Yes. And Sean, remember when, when uh, like the first year of Trump's presidency, we were, I remember you and I were reading Twitter and one of the uh, like former Bush advisors was like, this is alarming that some guy is, because he was not a Trump fan, this, this particular person. He was like, it's alarming that this guy is so like volatile and quick to fly off the handle because there are bunkers like miles deep into the earth that have 
stations with keys that can just be turned and launch the nukes. And he's like, well, in our, in our hometown growing up, we had the AT&T tower, which goes deep under uh, ground. Like, I think like what, like 40 or 50 feet underground. And there was alleged tunnels that go from our town, like three towns over. Yeah, And you could, you could find like pictures online that show the underground, like massive bunker. That's the thing. So this base, you know, had a, a working base and people were like, we didn't see anything abnormal. But the theory is, and like, if you saw spoilers for the, the newest season of Stranger Things, you know, they're driving to like the middle of the desert and there's just a door, right? Yeah. There's, there's just like a door that you can walk down and it brings you downstairs. That is what they are taking from the Montauk projects. Like there's secret doors and that's what they were, they were taking kids, like runaway kids, right. abducting them. Or if you haven't seen Stranger Things, uh, think of Spaceballs, where yogurt lives, where you're just walking in the desert, you see the doors, you open up, and you're in a sanctuary. I know know most of you haven't seen Stranger Things, but let's talk about (laughs) yogurt. Well, it was the last season. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, anywhere between 3,000 to 10,000 kids they are using, um, allegedly. From the 1970s to 1980s, they would kidnap young boys to torture. And this is, again, something that they took from Operation Paperclip. This is something they were doing in Nazi Germany. Um, you know, Mengele and his crew were already experimenting with things like this. But they would take uh, young young boys um, and they would essentially just break them down. They would beat the shit out of them repeatedly. completely shatter their minds. They would, they would starve them. They would not let them sleep, so they would be sleep-deprived. And they would beat them merciless, like mercilessly and that is how you break somebody down to nothing and then you can control that like build them back up the way that you want them you just strip them of everything they believe and then uh yes it's it's awful um and they wanted to do do this uh to create super soldiers and this this is this part is true like we have records of the government attempting this um so they would break them down to nothingness and then build them up to be super soldiers and if the beatings and the sleep deprivation and the starvation wasn't enough they were also injecting large amount of hallucinogens into these people so all that combined with hallucinogens to try and make manchurian candidates of sorts people that you can control like controlled assassins that will just do anything at your every beck and call uh, and they were trying to push people to the absolute limits of their human capability, I guess. So when they uh, first they started um, abducting the kids, it, like Joe said, it was just like homeless people, like orphans and stuff like that. And as the experiments advanced, they decided they needed a better like genetics from the test subjects. So they ended up started using only blonde and blue eyed uh, boys because they'd resemble the master Aryan race. And they felt that those were the highest form of genetics. And keep in mind, uh, if, that, if that sounds like uh, a Nazi thing, uh, it fucking is. It fucking yeah. is, because that is who's doing these, these these experiments. But but again, the Aryan thing, like this is what this is what kind of like was nuts to me about that episode you guys did. And and now, like they they're talking about the fucking monsters underneath the fucking Antarctic, right? When they're talking about Aryan. Yeah. That's so fucking nutty. That's so fucking nutty. I this is too much. <laughs> and every aside from the two ghost episodes, every episode we've done so far all ties into the Nazis this. come back into place and fucking everything. It's it's unbelievable. Did they open a door to fucking hell? Is it possible? Well, the, we just said they think this 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 base was originally on a interdimensional uh 
portal vortex. And yeah, you know what? It is fucking possible that the Nazis did that. They had all that, yeah. they're searching, you know, they're chasing the occult for so long. So it oh. is possible. Um, but yeah, these poor kids were taken. Um, it's also very similar to those that are familiar with it to MK Ultra. I mean, another thing that probably deserves its own episode, but MK Ultra was essentially the same. Uh, people were abducted. They were stripped of all their rights and senses. They're beaten and they're force-fed LSD, and it's government-grade LSD. So it's like the strongest, most purest, yeah, they don't most, fuck around. most nightmare-inducing LSD that anyone could possibly get. Um, and, yeah, they, all these things, all, all these operations, which MK Ultra is a real thing that the government has acknowledged and claimed that they discontinued. Uh, and then also claimed, yes, they they claimed it was discontinued, and they also claimed that like fifty thousand pages of their notes were lost in the fire. Which that's like the most laziest but most efficient go to. Like you see it all time this, and time again. Like oh, it was lost in a flood. It was lost in a fire. Flood and fire. Always, yeah. yeah, all these. Plus, I don't. Facilities. I don't know if it was MK Ultra or maybe it was like an extension of it. But they also used to do a thing too where they would. Uh, lure guys into like whorehouses and right when they were about to bang a chick they would dose them with high levels of lsd and then just lock them in a room to see how they would uh react yeah and and also on that same token if anyone's listening is like well that seems extreme that the cia would like do this right which it does seem ex- extreme. i think there were roughly 163 different type of mk ultra experiments going on in the u.s at one point like, yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, at different locations, like colleges and stuff like that, where they'd be giving unsuspecting people mass amounts of LSD to see how they'd react and if they could control them or if it could be used uh, in warfare. Yeah. And also, you can look at the Franklin cover up where it was essentially like a, a child sex ring, but the CAA was was controlling it and controlling the house. And th- that's another like good episode that we should do one day. But the person who was like in charge of recruiting these people and drugging them, he had like the most, the the most backing ever from the government and got off clean. He's still free today. So this stuff that, happens. That's like the one thing I'll never question is like whether the CIA fucking sucks. <laughs> like I'm always going to be like, yeah, of course they fucking did that. Like, what are you talking about? Like if you told me they did something to like save the world, then I'd be like, well, that seems how fucking <laughs> protect us i don't i don't think that's true <laughs> uh, that's funny yeah if they did something good uh useful right. with their time and then yeah that would be that'd be extreme <laughs> that would be nuts that would be fucking but there's crazy. still people that's like i don't i refuse to believe that the government would do this to its own people which i, guess. I mean i guess that's why conspiracy theories exist because the conspiracies are easier to consume than the fact that the people who you know are controlling us are just fucking abusing the shit out of us and are terrible oh, I don't movies. even know what the fuck they're doing like, i would much rather believe in giant praying mantis people which by the way uh people believe are at the base of the montauk project the but, uh, troopers is real <laughs> there is a theory on that but I, I mean i would much rather believe that or believe in a reptilian race and just believe that there are people way more powerful than we can ever comprehend that just are tormenting us from day to day to see how, how much we can take and how much it can benefit them. So Mike said that they would take kids with certain genetics at that point. Um, and they would also wipe the kids' memories 
uh, and alter their genetics with only what happened later coming back in flashbacks or, or nightmares. So again, with like the alien with, with Betty and Barney Hill and uh, even the Enfield poltergeist, a lot of these memories are being recalled uh, either in flashbacks, nightmares or hypnosis. Yeah. And one of the most famous of the Montauk boys was a boy called Stuart Swerblow. Great name. Rolls right off the tongue. I'm going to let Mike talk about old Stewie. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe him. He kind of looks like um, Macho Man Randy Savage with slightly <laughs> shorter hair and just not as jacked. But he had like the jet black, like dyed beard and like hair. But uh, I love this. He was a big fan of sci fi and claims in 1970 he was taken to the Montauk facility until 1983. And was special because they couldn't wipe his memory of anything that happened at Montauk. And he said he knew of nine different levels underground to the facility and on a daily basis would see kids being beaten, raped, murdered, drowned until the brink of death, starved, tortured in terrible ways. And some of these were actually done to him as well in an attempt to break his mind. And Mike, I I, want to ask you, do you think the character Eleven from Stranger Things is based on Stuart? Uh, yes, to a certain extent. I think so too. Um, there's nothing that, that says that anywhere online, but like just, just even hearing that right now, I mean, well, he's somebody like like remote viewing. That's like 11, like, yeah. And he's super powerful and you know, he, they couldn't erase his memory. Allegedly. He remembers everything that happened. Uh, that, that reminds me of like the latest season of stranger things, 11, remembering how everything happened, how everything turned. Right. Right. Now, he said um, when it initially started, he would uh, be in bed at night and he'd be abducted from his room by alien beings. And then he'd wake up naked, strapped to a bed and would feel needles poking him. And sometimes something would go up his asshole, touching his organs, which could very possibly be a small alien fist. Now, he does say aliens and Mike's right. It could possibly be an alien fist. I do want to say to anybody that's listening, it doesn't like, even though he's saying alien beings, it could just be men in like strange well, suits. Like if you're, if you're being well, grabbed, out of it started out as alien beings and then evolved as he went deeper into the program into men abducting him. And then Preston also said that it started out as the greys um, would be the one to abduct him. But Stuart also says that the greys are a manufactured race built of human fetuses meant for mind control. Dude, so the greys aren't actually racist, like uh, like an alien. They're just kind of like a, a fleshy robot that... And remember, Betty Barney Hill, the first to bring the greys to our, our forefront. So there is a theme. Betty and Barney Hill have nothing to do with this program, have nothing to do with any of this, but they also saw greys, gray beings, gray extraterrestrial type beings. So wait. there is a common bond between all of this. So is a fucking... Wait, are, you see, are they saying the greys are giant fetuses? <laughs> yeah, they're saying they're kind of like drones that someone else controls. But they're... He, they're, they're not giant fetuses. They were made from human fetuses from into human like fetuses, to like and then grown into a being, a creature, if you will. Yeah, pretty much like alien human hybrids. That's insane. Will. Like you know those sci-fi movies where they have those like huge cylinders of just like yeah, liquid, yeah, yeah. But they're, You're right. You know, right. You're grown up. Fetuses. It's like cloning. It's like cloning. So yeah. they're bio mutating these people. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, pretty much. I kind of, and then I he kind thought, of believe might be happening. <laughs> well, I mean, 
listen, so the grays are an interesting thing, right? So like we've talked about it before where it's like, well, there's a lot of people that think they're us, right? But in the future, that's our like evolution. That's one of the theories, right? So there's like, I like those ideas of the grays, but like this one also adds up. I kind of, this one might make the most sense. I mean, Betty says that they came from Zeta Reticuli and she drew the star map and they were also grays, but you know, this one, there have been other people that have also come forward throwing around Zeta Reticuli also that had no knowledge of Betty and Barney Hill. So coincidence, I don't know. Maybe that's just what they tell them while they're under the fucking laughing gas, like like Dude. fucking doctors, like that talk to you know their patients, like when they're under the fuck, like they fucking joke around and shit, like that could be true. Zeta Reticula. <laughs> well, we have um, asshole made up. Well, Bob Lazar, who was the first person to come out and give descriptions of exactly like went on at Area Fifty um, One, said that he used to. Yeah, I almost said Area 52 for a second. <laughs> but he, he said he used to work on like reverse engineering. And when he was given like the dossier explaining everything in his notes that he got from the government, it said that a lot of the craft that they are reverse engineering came from the star system of Zeta Reticuli. So it's not just people that claim to be like yeah. abducted. Like that's, but it could also be disinformation. So I mean, who really I knows? Mean, Bob- Bob's a nightmare for the UFO community because half the stuff he says was immediately discredited and then years later comes out to be true. But then he's also just like, he could just be full of shit. It's, he's such an enigma. It's I mean, we'll, we'll do like an entire episode on Bob Lazar, but when it comes to Bob Lazar, I believe 95% of what he says. <laughs> I'll go 75. I'll go 75. 95 All right, is good. I, it's, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so... Stewart thinks originally he'd be abducted. Um, and when he'd be abducted, he thought a lot of the experiments were pretty much just like terrify him because if they terrify him, he'll have high levels of fear, which would allow the aliens to um, take out adrenochrome from him, kind of like the Illuminati and the upper elite allegedly use. Yeah. Even though it's not really a thing. Well, that's what they want you to think. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now this part might get a little bit confusing because it involves a person that we will meet shortly, but it falls under the Stewart category, so you're just going to have to go with it. All right, so Stewart claims he was sent back in time to kill Jesus and steal a vial of his blood and believes he was put in the body of Judas. He said Judas was, or uh, sorry, Jesus was a really nice guy, but he had to kill him anyway. But when he did, Jesus was like, yo, bro, no. And the bullets would just kind of like bounce off Jesus. But Jesus ended up giving him a vial of his blood anyway. So Stuart took that and then he was sent to an underground basement in the period or pyramids of Mars, where he had to give the vial of blood back to Jesus. But it turned out it wasn't Jesus. It was a guy named Duncan Cameron impersonating jesus because they wanted to combine the actual blood of jesus with the blood of this guy named duncan cameron who is part of the montauk project in order to make him a direct descendant of jesus becoming the second coming of christ or at least that's what he thought until he found out the montauk project and directors actually lied to him and they didn't want the second coming of christ but they wanted 
the Antichrist, and they wanted to do this as a fuck you to God because they felt so powerful. Now, Preston met Jesus and said that he felt he was an arrogant, pompous asshole. And then this story, like Jesus is actually the superhero. Like Jesus. And he got shot at. He got fucking shot at. He didn't know what fucking was back then, but he apparently. Superhero Jesus. That's so wild. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus had a bulletproof vest before guns were even invented. No, I do want to say, I want to say two things real quick. Uh, when, when you hear somebody whose story up to this point is there's no reason to not believe what he's <laughs> saying, say something like this. You're like, holy shit. Like, this is the least credible witness, perhaps of all time, until we meet Preston. But, but I will say, Stuart was one of the Montauk boys. That is a fact. And... We know that they were given a shit ton of LSD, right. even though he didn't have his memory erased and he remembers seeing things. Sure. He might really believe this, uh, but they were injecting him and beating him and starving him. So uh, maybe he was even told this to see how he, and he was getting fisted by aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would break broke. anyone's so, minds. Do you see how long uh, aliens' fingers are? They are very long. <laughs> Massage that prostate immediately. Um, He's got a phone home. But uh, I say that to say, as ridiculous as everything Mike just said sounds, and it is ridiculous, there, there's absolutely no part of me that believes any of that even remotely came close to happening. I do think he probably... Maybe, maybe was maybe even told that like maybe maybe they were telling him hey this is what you're gonna do and to see like what he would do or to see if he could like open a portal or transport or or bring something back you know from from yeah. like the Philadelphia experiment things move so maybe they can see if he could like open a portal to go back to Jesus time and bring something back so right. he's probably yeah. told all that tripping balls and that's what he remembers so he probably well, I have a back. theory about Stewart but we'll get into that uh to later on. But he also says that the Montauk Project was a continuation of Nazi experiments that went on in the concentration camps, like we mentioned earlier, which was the doctors involved in Operation Paperclip. Yes, yeah, that that is the part that I wholeheartedly believe. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that um, while he was there, he also saw aliens and that time travel exists. And we are not the original inhabitants of this planet. Now, you Again, might be wondering... LSD. Yeah, with all the time he spent at this place, how his parents wouldn't notice, like, he was missing. And he said his parents would notice that he'd be missing from his room, but he thinks that they were somehow hypnotized to not really pay attention that he was gone with something he called the dampening field, which he doesn't really explain. (laughs) I love love that. It goes into great detail about the pyramids of Mars and Jesus dodging bullets, but has this thing called the dampening field and can't, can't offer an explanation to it. Yeah, and then over time, he um, advanced to the mind control level experiments by men, not aliens at Montauk, and said he'd be taken there for months at a time. But due to the time manipulation going on, in reality, to anyone else that would see him, he'd only be gone for like a few seconds. Yes. That's crazy. Kind of like Amityville, it's about time. It's exactly <laughs> like that. 
He also says he is hyperspace intuitive, which means he can move outside of a physical reality and see the energy is associated with the existence of a person, place, or thing, and that everyone is programmed, including you. Now, that might be true, uh, but I just want to say we all know a kid. uh, I'm sure anyone listening probably knows a kid, at least from high school, that has done way too much LSD. Uh, you know, for our sake, we can call him Luigi. Mario Gentile. Uh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to say his government name. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's why I said Luigi. But, yeah, uh, that, that dude completely blew open his mind with LSD at can the age of 17. Can we try to get him on here? Could, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, that would be awesome. Dude, Planet I mean, that X- guy was t- – that guy was telling stories of like stabbing truckers while hitchhiking. We, live, we don't live on a road. Like, where are you hitchhiking to? It's always in school. But I mean, he had ridiculous stories and ridiculous, dude, ridiculous memories of terrible psychotic things that he he didn't he didn't do those things. It's, it's no, <laughs> those weren't true. But <laughs> I mean, actually, now that I say that, because remember on our senior trip. We all went into the woods to smoke a bowl, and we heard like a ruffling through through the through the bushes, and we thought it was a teacher, but it was just Mario who appeared. He wasn't allowed on the scene. I think he was suspended for that week, but he just appeared through the bushes and was genuinely surprised to see all of us there. He's like, "What are you guys doing here today?" Or like, it's our senior he randomly day. hangs out at oh, fucking Holiday Hill. Dude, he didn't live anywhere near there either. <laughs> That was incredible. <laughs> so you know what? Uh, everything these people are saying, I'm now on board with because of our old buddy Mario. <laughs> but if you uh, attempt to question any of Stewart's claims, he will get incredibly defensive, get super pissy, throw a little fit, and he will end interviews. He also said he is constantly harassed by the government who put him in jail for a year or two, even though he went to jail because he pled guilty to bank fraud. <laughs> Oh well, no, 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 look, look. Stuart is a character, uh, and uh, most of what he says I can't believe. But on a very serious note, this is a boy who was raped and uh, beaten and drugged. So uh, let's give Stuart some slack here, right? Uh, and, and at the very least, we know for a fact that he was involved with stuff like this. And I know we mentioned MK Ultra before. If you find people who were in the MK Ultra program that talk about it. Most of them say they were put into dark rooms, they were beaten, they were injected with drugs, and they remember seeing Gerald Ford there, like laughing at them and, and sticking his finger up their ass. They remember seeing <laughs> Waylon Jennings there. Were those people actually there, or was it a hallucination? Nobody would know well, unless you were you're there. there. But I, I mean, I'm also Waylon inclined Jennings. to think that. Oh, I guess. <laughs> but we'll go all... That's a, that's a topic for the MK Ultra episode, but there's there's a theory that those guys were also, you know, like especially someone like Waylon, they're like, hey, uh, we're gonna test out this new batch of LSD. You want to come and try you it? Waylon's like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. And then he's just put in a room and he's like, and they're telling him, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to say this. Uh, so it's just a a circle of fucking psychotic. <laughs> neurosis right joe do you want to start off with the deep dive into preston nichols our boy preston Uh, you don't want to because you've been well i'll I'll do al because the whole thing with al gets very confusing like it's incredibly (laughs) confusing so 
I'll I'll take that since it's more difficult to uh to go through. All right, so Preston Nichols, we already gave a high-level overview of Preston, but prior to writing to this book, Preston says that he had no knowledge of the Philadelphia Project or anything about Montauk. He uh, he was an engineer with a degree in parapsychology, which that always comes into fucking play. I've never heard of anyone ever having a degree in par- parapsychology except for everyone involved in every case that we've ever talked about. But <laughs> these guys all have it. Uh, and that he had an advanced knowledge of electromagnetism. Uh, he also said that he was involved in a lot of reverse engineering of alien tech. Now, we've said that term a couple of times. Reverse engineering means that we found something and we're trying to recreate it. We, yeah, we're break it down to see how it works. Break it down, see how it works. Manipulate it, all those fun things. You know, Rodswell is another episode that we should do one day. Uh, reverse engineering of whatever crash there is something that's talked about all the time. It's also worth noting we always say alien tech, it could be reverse engineering of, you know, Nazi tech or Russian tech. Right. right. So reverse. And I, I do believe he was involved in reverse engineering, whether it was extraterrestrial or terrestrial. Well, according to Preston, all of the technology we have today is thanks to reverse engineering of uh, alien tech, alien tech. That, and that's not just press. I actually know somebody who has never spoke about spoken about aliens ever, but he was just like, you know, like there are, cable optic wires are reverse engineered from aliens, right? I'm just like, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I don't have that yeah, in my language. Exact years, but he he said something along the lines of like, if you look at the time period from say, I don't know, like 1800 to like 1930, there was kind of like a lull in technology. And then between like the 40s till uh, for the next 50 years, there's just a massive boom, like with more advanced tech coming out than ever before previously i mean the fact that and he's like he's like there's no yeah Yeah. he's like there's no way that it just came out of nowhere like it must have come from somewhere and he believes that reverse engineering is the cause of all that yeah and and like i just said at post-world war ii it exploded and we know that we had the nazis working like the nazi scientists working for us in nasa and whatnot and we also know that for a fact the nazis were actively seeking extraterrestrial and occult and religious relics uh, their entire time. So yeah, that all adds up. And you know, if he wants to say it's aliens, I'm going to believe him for, for now. (laughs) now. Uh, In 1971, he was hired by a defense contractor on long Island called, uh, excuse me, called airborne instruments laboratory, where he was working on a grant to study mental telepathy and to figure out if it was real or not. Going into it, he wanted to prove that it was all complete bullshit, but he ended up believing that the opposite was true, which, again, all the other cases that we've talked about so far seems to be a common theme among uh, a lot of the, the big players in these cases. They go in to disprove something, and they're left being like, either I can't disprove this or I'm a full-out believer now. Um, he also claimed that he discovered a telepathic wave which can control psychics, psychics' thoughts similar to radio waves. Over the next three years, he worked with the psychics and he found that around the same time every day, their minds would get blocked and they would lose their abilities anytime that radio waves would reach between 410 and 420 megahertz. So in an effort to find the source blocking them, he hooked some antennas up to his car with his radio tuned into the frequency and drove around until he found the source, which was in the radar tower at the Montauk air force. But since it wasn't open and he couldn't go there, he couldn't really do much about it. But again, these psychics 
all were losing their abilities at the same time every day. And uh, old Preston was able to trace the source that was blocking it to the Montauk Tower. Right. But he couldn't do anything about it because he wasn't involved in Montauk. So let's fast forward to 10 years later in 19, or not exactly 10 years, but about 10 years later in 1984. He finds out from a friend that the Montauk antenna where the original Montauk Raider base stood was now abandoned. So he went there to explore it. Uh, he, upon exploring it, he discovered that there's only 30 types of these antennas built in the United States around World War II. And it was to detect or, or World War II and the Cold War. And it was to detect incoming Russian ships or Nazi subs. Uh, that's, that's exactly what those antennas were used for. And again, only 30 created of the 30 antennas all of them were decommissioned and destroyed except for the one located in montauk new york during his exploration of the abandoned montauk site preston encountered a homeless man who had been living there and claimed that he used to work there (laughs) and that's like the most (laughs) i don't know i don't know if art imitates life or if life imitates art right because like every horror movie every every sci-fi movie every horror movie you just have like a vagabond that's like i've seen you're doomed you're all doomed (laughs) yeah yeah that's what i I think of when i hear that part the friday the 13th guy you're doomed uh but yeah the, the preston has one in his life um he claimed that he used to work there and it shut down abruptly when a large beast tore through it destroying it which again stranger things the demogorgon uh yeah he uh preston asked him what do you mean and the homeless man got confused and said you're preston nichols you worked here and you ran things that's what the homeless man said to preston okay according to preston according to i mean listen i preston gave a shit ton of interviews and honestly if he was still alive I would have delayed this episode and be like, Mike, I know you're in Florida right now, but come with me to the shack that Preston lives in because he would talk to us. He would fucking well, talk to us. I'm pretty sure he lived uh, near where my parents have one of their houses in uh, Fort Myers. Unless maybe that was Al Beal. I think it was Preston. Uh, I don't remember Preston living in, in Florida, but I know that he lived in that <laughs> shitty shack yeah. in New York where people went and talked to him all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you would have gotten an interview, but you would have gotten something out of him. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the guy said that to him. And, again, a beast ran through it. And, again, the Philadelphia experiment comes into play because things are being teleported. And the whole vibe of Stranger Things, not only just Eleven, but the, you know, the interdimensional creatures, I think, takes a lot from this. Oh, yeah. So... Shortly after this, Preston was at his house when a man showed up claiming that Preston used to be his supervisor at Montauk. And Preston was like, I have no clue who you are, and I don't know what you're talking about, and sent him on his way. Later on, Preston meets a man named Duncan Cameron, who Mike just explained was on Mars in an underground pyramid. uh, Impersonating Jesus. (laughs) Taking the blood of Christ from uh, poor Stuart. (laughs) As they do. As as one does. So Preston meets a man named Duncan who begins to work with Preston on a psychic research. And over time, Preston takes Duncan to the old Montauk base, which upon visiting, Duncan says, I recognize this. Uh, he can name all of the buildings and all of the exact functions of each. And he could point out specific hallways before they even got to them. Upon entering one of the buildings, Duncan went into a type of trance 
and uh, he kind of discovers that he'd been brainwashed or programmed. Like that's our repressed memory is coming back to Duncan. Um, and he thinks that this is to befriend and then kill Preston and destroy all of Preston's research. So this is something that Duncan is saying that he's remembering being told and that he's been programmed to do. They scrambled these guys fucking brains, man. They scrambled these guys brains. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, that's evident. Like that's not even like I don't think that can be refuted. Like I think I think these guys got fucked up. <laughs> it's our job to kind of piece together the truth, right? But what we do know is that these guys were involved and they were fucked up and I do believe that these guys if they were there probably have no recollection and have just been like you know that part of their life was just completely blocked out you know yeah and this like weird infighting stuff where it's like i don't know like it just it's weird it's weird as fuck so duncan says he he recalls that back at preston's lab he's using a deprogramming technique to give duncan back all of his memories uh preston felt that your mind was most clear and able to enter a state of hypnosis or deprogramming at a time <laughs> at a time of arousal. So as one does, as any good scientist would do, he would jerk off Duncan to get his memory back. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who's jerking off Duncan? All right, so jerking off Duncan. Yes. He found in order to deprogram people, he needed to put them in a special type of hypnosis, and the mind was most clear at a heightened mm. state of arousal. Mm, so he yeah. would just be ferociously just jacking Duncan's dick off. Yeah, yeah. there are there are some ancient uh, Duncan is donut. There there are some ancient um, tribes that believe you know God is found within orgasming. So you know this there's some truth to heightened state of arousal. That's no no. Your mind <laughs> is blank, dude. When you are coming for that split second, you are having an outer body experience. You are not in control of your body. You don't know what's happening. It might only be for a minute, but imagine if you could take that Burn and multiply that. it, dude. You will be in another fucking de- dude. If you took your orgasm, you know that that split second that your eyes roll to the back of your head as you shoot your load, if especially you can make when that hand is connected to someone that looks like Don Vito. If you could, if you could. If you can make that last just five minutes, you will be in another fucking dimension. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Take that and multiply it. You're not in your body. You have, you have left. Right. Okay. So, do you guys do you guys do you guys take your clothes off when you jerk off? <laughs> uh, no, you, it depends. Usually, uh, no, usually I just pull my pants down. Dude, I heard somebody talking about it, and they're like, I. But there's uh, also people that will take their clothes fully off to take a shit too. I, I don't do that, but I mean, that, some people that's insane. do. It. No, that, that, that's, that's insane. But I, but like jerking off. Like I heard somebody was like, I can't, I can't do it unless I'm I'm completely naked. I'm like, that just fucking so much work. That's so pull my dick work. out and yeah, yeah, yank it. Take your clothes off. Yeah, usually just really <laughs> need to just weird. Pull down your pants a little bit. You don't really need to get naked. That's no yeah. weird. Very weird. Anyway, jerk, uh, Preston jerked off Duncan. Um, <laughs> over time, <laughs> Duncan regained more memories and more hand jobs, uh, learning that he served upon the USS Eldridge along with his brother Edward during the Philadelphia experiment. So, old Duncan here is present for all of this shit. So, uh, so alleged. Uh, when, when the ship disappeared, he claims that he jumped off the ship 
and it transported him to 1983, 40 years into the future, which is why he didn't remember anything uh, about the facility and all that when he went there with Preston. This is Duncan's... Again, Duncan had his fucking brain exploded with LSD, right? right? Right. Um, While at work, Preston would get recognized by people he didn't know, and he would also find cuts appearing on his hand and his hand would be bandaged that he wasn't aware of. He, he didn't remember bandaging it. And um, he would also get mail in regard to stuff at his work that he wasn't involved in. And he started, uh, you know, freaking out and thinking that he was living two lives. One day he goes to a restricted elevator at work to the basement. Only maybe 10 higher authorities had access, but he got in anyway. Very convenient to this part of the story, Preston. But anyway, he claims he got into this restricted elevator when he reached the basement thinking he would get turned away, the security officer handed him a badge with his name on it. And uh, Preston started walking and eventually it led to a large office that Preston that said Preston B. Nichols, assistant project project director, which proved to him that he was living two different lives. One as an engineer and one as a senior member of a secret government program called the Montauk Project. So, again, this is all coming from Preston. But if you were to believe Preston... He's having his memory erased and then going back and doing his day-to-day job. But it's important to note that this is what they were doing to kids during these experiments. They were having them live a life, erasing their memory, and then they're back to normal. They're back to doing the other things they do, which also in Stranger Things, I know Stranger Things is a fictional show, not great to reference when trying to prove a case. But if you look at Stranger Things, you know, you have the kids going into those rooms suspended in water, you know, being forced to do things and remote viewing, all that stuff, open vortexes. And and then they go back on their way and they're in a room with other kids and they're playing games and, you know, all that stuff. Right. Uh, So Preston, it's very unbelievable, but it's also in line with what we know they were doing to kids. Yeah. Erasing their memory. Uh, in 1990, Preston had been constructing what he called a Delta T antenna on the roof of his lab, meant to catch temporal waves. And while soldering wires together, uh, the time function of his Delta T caused his mind to shift. And the more he soldered, the more he realized his memories that had been suppressed uh, were coming back. Soldered, so, but yeah. So I said soldered. Soldered. Yeah. <laughs> so my soldering. Dad, my dad, my dad would fucking kick me in the dick right now. <laughs> Dude, one time my dad to- taught me how to solder. And by taught me, I mean, he just made me watch him do it and then yelled at me for not knowing like exactly what part he was going to do next. <laughs> this is my first time ever seeing anyone do it. And I was only like seven. But anyway. <laughs> Your beads look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from these memories, he learned that he was a principal radar technician at the Montauk Air Force Base when it was open, observing secret experiments and government projects that had been going on since the 1970s. I actually want to believe Preston because I have heard shit like this time and time again that people were working on reverse engineering uh, aircraft and then they go about, about their lives. They're living with their, their wives and they're doing, you know. They're doing their day-to-day mundane shit, and then something comes back to them. And like, holy shit! Like, I remember, or I had this dream where I was working for the government, and like, it seems very, very real. Uh, yeah. 
block, you know, if you have top secret information and they're erasing your memory, I, I kind of want to believe this, man. But anyway, that, this from from <laughs> from Nazi antennas to hand jobs to repressed memories coming back after soldering. Uh, that is the story of Preston so far. Which brings us to the next character in the story, Al Bielik. So about 40 years after the Philadelphia experiment, a man named Al Bielik started to have visions and memories of a man named Edward Cameron, who was a young naval officer aboard the USS Eldridge. And Edward was Duncan Cameron's, yeah, Duncan Cameron's brother. And Al went on to write a bunch of books, do interviews, and speak at conferences discussing his life in the body of Edward Cameron. So, like we mentioned before, aboard the Eldridge, when something called the electrical bottle or the electric bottle was engaged, it allowed the ship to slip through time. And during this, Edward and Duncan jumped off of the ship and it put Edward into the year 2137. So when Edward awoke, he was in a hospital being treated for radiation burns and Duncan was nowhere to be found. Now, Mike, I didn't say this to you. Can I interrupt for one second? Because you said Please radiation do. injuries. Bill Clinton gave a press conference apologizing for things that the government did to people in 1995. And he was specifically talking about the Tuskegee Airmen. But he also acknowledged the existence of the MK Ultra program. And the MK Ultra program was supposedly uh, – done for radiation like uh, the effects of radiation on people and they even went to trial a famous trial and you can read the transcripts online and all of the people there are like hey this isn't about radiation they were trying to mind control us and they were wiping our memories and they were forcing us to become Manchurian candidates and trained assassins and they just use the guise of radiation and this is a real fucking case that you yeah they uh, they declassified it I think in like the 80s, I believe, is where they declassified a bunch of info about uh, MK Ultra, and prior to that, the government was like, "No way, we would never ever do that." And then, That's lo and behold, it was an actual thing really happening. Yes. So, do I believe that he went to the year 20, 30, 2137? Probably not. Yes. But do no. I believe? <laughs> but do I believe that he was being treated for radiation injuries because they are doing all the shit to him and telling him they're? Uh, yes, it all kind of like adds up. Like all these different projects and all these different stories are way too interconnected for it to be random and, and it's probably the reason they well not the sole reason because for whatever reason they just loved hallucinogenics but a big part of the reason is probably so they would go out in public and behave this fucking way well, Sean Sean that is exactly like the goal of MK Ultra is that they were able to push them to their absolute limits and see what they can control. But they also knew that they don't have to shut them up. They're just going to go out in public and be fucking fried. And right. no, you know, we've seen people, I'm not making fun of the mentally ill, trust me, but we've seen people on subways that are just talking about things that they've done and seen. And you're like, so that guy is, I'm going to go stand far away from him. Um, but Nobody's listening to that guy and be like, I bet you that guy is uh, is right. I bet you that guy has the secrets of our government. No, nobody's nobody's taking their word for it. So, right. yeah, you're right. Uh, 
the government wants them to go out and be open. But Mike, I just had to say that about radiation because I just made that. So, I mean, you might be wondering how all of a sudden is Al Bielik remembering all this stuff? And that's because he met Preston and Preston jerked him off. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when... So now you have to remember that Al is claiming that he has all these memories of being Edward Cameron. So last we knew, Ed jumped off the ship and ended up in 2137. So as Edward's health improved in the hospital, he learned a little bit about the time that he was living. And in 2137, Florida and most of the eastern seaboard is completely underwater. California is now a bunch of islands. And after a nuclear war between the West, Russia, and China, the world's population was a little less than 300 million. Most of the governments were gone, and everything was under martial law. I just want to say that. Think about what's happening right now. Not too far off. Now, right as Ed was getting more acquainted with 2137, he started to feel lightheaded. And before he knew it, he was transferred to 2749. (laughs) <laughs> where he lived for two years. And in 2749, they had anti-gravity tech, which allowed floating cities two miles up. First of all, I would never want to live on that. If you walk the slightest bit over like the edge, you just fall fucking two miles down. How is that like safe? You have to have a force field, right? Like a Giant like safety yeah, net. I like it's the technology. Yeah. <laughs> Also, the uh, cities were run by an advanced AI, and it pretty much supplied you with everything you possibly needed to live. Which and I'm like, what that? year is he saying this in? What year is he saying this in? 2749. No, no, no. What year is he saying? That? Like, I, when did he come I, open? I believe it was around 1989, 1990. So he's kind of predicting where we're at right now. Yeah. getting to for sure right like ai government makes like the most that's what it seems like we're going to yeah and so um what was i saying yeah and they pretty much supplied everything that you needed he wasn't a huge fan of this because he kind of felt like everyone was exactly the same they couldn't really think for themselves or really do anything because everything was just handed to him and uh provided um Once again, he felt lightheaded and ended up back in 1983, where he was reunited with his brother Duncan Cameron at the Montauk base. And they were briefed by government officials and were told to just shut the fuck up about this shit. And Edward was now Al Bielek. Got that? But it's a little confusing because... (laughs) The one the timelines the most confusing thing because he he says he remembers all of this in like the late eighties like eighty nine nineteen ninety and before this he says he has no knowledge of the Philadelphia experiment or anything like this but it's a little weird because he saw the movie the Philadelphia experiment <laughs> when it came out and then shortly after he saw it all of a sudden he had all of these memories where he's like wait a minute this is about God me God damn it. <laughs> god fucking damn it so we've got him out of the way so now we have the beginning of the montauk project i just sorry i i just like can't get over like the idea of like disinformation campaigns and shit and like how that plays into this because even like thinking about that i'm like did they fucking release that movie just to like like 
cover their tracks for all this other shit that was about to pop off? Well, according they're to not Preston, letting a movie like that they tried, they they claimed that they're like, well, it only uh, lasted in the movie theaters for a short time because the government tried to shut it down. When truth is, it only lasted because it was a terrible film, had a poor storyline, it was not easy to follow, and only became popular later on as like a cult classic. So. I don't know. I don't know. It's, just, it's just it's just odd. The disinformation. disinformation agents are very very real, and uh, yeah. like you were saying before, how you think things you know kind of slowed down or stopped. They developed social media, or they didn't develop. Somebody's you know social media was developed, and they realized oh, we could just use this, and we could just create profiles and have people say things that we want them to say. It's just a giant weapon of fucking propaganda. Right. That's exactly what it is. It keeps everyone divided and it keeps everyone confused. And back and back to the let's talk about more important shit. The the, the aliens that talk about zeta reticuli. I feel like those are fucking whatever they are, whether they're fetal people or whatever. I think Frank they say this, I think they say this shit to get a kick. There's probably like like a HR division, like a disinformation division, and where it's like. They're like, hey, by the way, fucking Frank told the fucking guy that he was probing that f- we're from fucking Zeta Reticulon. And then that, that group has to be like, oh, for fuck's sake. Now we got to fucking put out 18 people to say Zeta Reticulon and write it in fucking books and shit. Or the CIA is just the original impractical jokers. And it's just a guy in a headset. It's like, tell him, tell him you're from. So you're yeah. <laughs> but the disinformation them. people have to clean up Wait. the fucking mess. They have to be like, hillbilly oh, some, uh, now we got to release pancakes and say you're from outer space. <laughs> now we got to release a fucking movie about this shit to make people think, God damn it. Like, <laughs> fuck Zeta reticuli. <laughs> Dude, people, people say that about Hollywood all the time. That's like Hollywood is not only disinformation, but it's also the government seeing how people react like if they were to release that this is true how people would react to that or to just embed it in people's subconscious that this is true like steven spielberg is making close encounters of the third kind to let people know that there are the third kind and to kind of put it in their mind steven spielberg made jurassic park to let people know dinosaurs are coming back don't be scared this is what they're gonna look like Thirty years later, uh, they're just taking their fucking time, but that's what he was doing. We got it's it's a slow burn. It is, a slow burn. <laughs> Mike. If if we went to Preston's house and Preston's like, I have this box of classified documents from the CIA, CIA on this project and on MK Ultra. It's yours, but I got to give you a hand job. Well, are I- you taking it? Well, Are you taking? All, if I'm going to Preston's house, I would expect that I'd be getting a hand job, whether I wanted <laughs> it or not. <laughs> so um, the answer is yeah. But uh, no, I've seen what Preston Nichols looks like, and no, I, there's right. no way he's got smooth hands or using any form of blue. Love so. eyes, Mike. Yeah, Vaseline, Mike. Vaseline. But listen, you get those documents. I feel like the answer is yes. But <laughs> you but if you get those out- documents. But you have to sign an NDA and you can't talk about those documents, but you get to die knowing that you know the truth. You still get the hand job. I'm going to say no, because ah, if, I knew that, right. if I knew that information, I'd want to be able to like discuss it with you. That would just eat like away at you being like, I know all this information, but I can't say it to anyone. Like that's well, a that's lot of shit to like that's, keep yourself. 
that's the thing. These people sign NDAs, but they can still talk about it and they can put the clues out there to kind of it's up to the public to put the pieces together. Exactly. Get Just like when uh, Paul McCartney died in 19, what, 67, and they put all the clues out on the albums to let them know that he was dead. Exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1967 is really where the uh, story of the Montauk project uh, really like starts. Um so in 1967, the story of the Philadelphia Project got back to researchers at the Brookhaven National Lab, and that intrigued them. And they discovered that those aboard the USS Eldridge could be susceptible to mind control, and if studied enough, could be used for a type of military application. That was an unsettling noise. She's <laughs> over there just moving chairs around. Getting picked uh, by Al, whatever his fucking name is. Preston Nichols. Preston Nichols. Yeah. So uh, prior to the Montauk scientists from, um, yeah, prior to Montauk project, the scientists that worked there were from Operation Paperclip and they worked at the Brookhaven National Lab for about 20 years until they were kicked out and then secretly moved to Montauk to continue their experiments and studies. Mm. And the, so, yeah, so they are like connected, like yes, actually. yeah. Pretty much everything you'll notice starts like slowly, like forming and like uh, becoming interconnected with one another. That's so crazy. And the reason they chose the Montauk Air Force Base is because the location was due to it being really large, empty, remote, and had all the equipment there already needed to uh, broadcast the power of, um, like hundred miles or more worth of radio waves, I guess, in order to gain control of people's minds. Fuck. And they felt that if they broadcast the right frequency, it could be more susceptible to people. Like they'd be able to get in their Mind heads a little better. Anyone? Yeah, pretty much is the theory that they were going off of. If you're tuned into the right frequency, anyone could be uh put under a state of hypnosis for mind control. Whoa. So because um, Duncan Cameron was on the Eldridge, he was also with able to uh, withstand large amounts of energy needed for what was called the Montauk chair, which was pretty much a mind reading machine, but it was also more just a large metal chair covered in wires and a bunch of random sensors connected to dials and a supercomputer that could amplify your abilities, which you might be thinking that sounds a little bit familiar. And that's because Professor X had it and it was called Cerebro. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> They're bringing Although, it to our conscious. But wait, when did wasn't when did X-Men come out? Irrelevant. I was gonna say it could have been kind of taken from there. <laughs> um so <laughs> With the Montauk chair, when Duncan was hooked up to it and tuned in properly after he received a stellar hand job from Preston, um, anything that he thought could actually be displayed upon the computer screen. So say you're thinking of an apple, an image of an apple will appear. And has he got better to this um, and they try different frequencies, they noticed that it could bring up different emotions in them and some would actually make Duncan fall asleep. Now, when these frequencies would be played, um, sometimes it would affect the animals outside and they would just freak out and run into town and just smash their bodies against buildings. 
and like buses and shit. And then after even more tests, they found what they called the seeing eye. And that is when Duncan held a particle belonging to someone and he could actually put himself in that person's body and see everything that they see and experience or are feeling, which is more or less remote viewing, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So this allowed the researchers to learn how to properly control people to do whatever they wanted. And at this point, they found out that Duncan could actually make objects appear in real life. So say he's, I don't know, sitting in the chair and he thinks about a fucking tugboat. A tugboat will just appear like in the room, like he can make physical objects with his mind. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I just want to say, uh, after hearing Mike say all of this, I believe everything completely. I am on board. I am too. So, Joe, I'll let you take uh, this next part. Uh, Dr. Von, back and Dr. Forth. Von Neumann. The most Von diabolical, the most diabolical <laughs> sounding name of all time. It's like the German uh, version of Newman from Seinfeld. Von <laughs> Neumann. <laughs> all right. So in 1958, Dr. Von Neumann died of cancer. Now, we talked about him earlier, right? When we mentioned the Manhattan Project. Mathematician, yeah. All right, yeah, I thought we mentioned him. So again, uh, he's a legit person, and uh, he was active on the Manhattan Project. Uh, he died of cancer, but he supposedly – this story has it all. The story has it fucking all. I know. <laughs> he, he died of cancer, but he supposedly faked his death so that he could go work secretly on special projects. Uh, Preston Nichols figured this out. Some fucking Preston, uh, and he found him. He, he found him uh, <laughs> to question him what Montauk had to do <laughs> to jerk him off, dude. Imagine, <laughs> dude, Von, Von Newman at this point would be like in his like nineties, probably. Dude, dude. His dick would just turn to dust. I picture him like uh, that guy from uh, Breaking Bad with the, the the ding ding, you know, just just, just in the wheelchair. Like, ding, ding. <laughs> and Hector, Preston, uh, Preston Hector him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hector just, <laughs> just grilling this guy, but, but, he, but he's nonverbal, so he, he's just dinging and Preston just, Preston just repeatedly jerking him off and screaming, screaming about the monster. That, the Hector face is his dick is being yanked about. <laughs> Do you want me to jerk you off? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right. The guy can't, the guy can't Dings, talk and- one for faster and two for slower. <laughs> <laughs> the guy can't talk and press and just scream like, oh, playing hard to get. Huh? I'll have to jerk you off again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're really stuck in the fucking speed <laughs> zone. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, so that's that's the end of this one. So thank you so much. Um, again, like we have data caps and things like that. So that's the reason I'm not putting the whole thing up here, but uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash I hate horror if you want to check out the rest of that. And uh, maybe down the line, we will release that second one, um, like after a, another episode. But we've got so many uh, all documented, all true shows coming up that, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll, we'll pull it off. But um, yeah, so thank you all so much. Hope you enjoyed this. And uh, for Joe, this is Sean. Stay with Adios.